Next, Lord, I thank you for your many blessings. God, I thank you for the testimonies that were shared here already this morning. We see how you, you love us so dearly, Lord. You provide for us. You care for us. You protect us. God, the, the, the difficulties in life that we may go through at times, Lord, we know that we are not alone, but you are with us. God, and we know that if we will just trust in you, if we will put our hope and faith in you, Lord, that, that you'll do more than see us through, but we will be victorious, we'll be more than overcomers. Lord, I, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, I pray that your anointing would be upon myself, my mouth, Lord God, I just pray that I would um, speak the words that you have for this, this people today, Lord. Anoint each hearer. Lord, it's not just the words that come out of my mouth, but it's the, the ears and the hearts of those who are going to hear. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to be in this place this morning and be our teacher. Bring revelation. Cut our hearts, Lord. May we be changed this morning and you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn to 1 John chapter 4 with me. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, I'm actually going to start in verse 17. It says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Verse 18 says, Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who, has not, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I want to um, share with you on, love, uh, on fear today. The, uh, the, the title of this message is Fear's Grip. And I want to encourage us to know the great love that God has for us, that he has a plan for us, that he has a purpose for us. That whatever circumstances and trials of life, whatever tribulation we go through, whatever we may face, that we are not alone. That if you've been born again, if you are a child of God, adopted into the family, he hasn't said, okay, go about your way and figure it out, but he is with you every step of the way. Just like Israel, in the, as, they, as they left Egypt and they approached the Red Sea, you see how the pillar of of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. That pillar led them out in front of them. And then as Egypt, Egyptian army bared down on them, that, that pillar came around behind them and protected them. You're not alone. God goes before you. He's behind you. He's your rear guard. He is your shield. He is your fortress. He is everything you will ever need. And it's not because he has to. It's not because he 
He's God and he has to love me, but he wants to love us. He loves us dearly. Man was created so that God could have intimacy, fellowship with man. Adam and Eve in the garden from the very beginning, before the fall, they walked with God. He loved them. He still loves them. He loves us today. And so with that in mind, that, that love, you know, 1 John tells us that God is love. Every, every not, not what the world would describe as love, of course, but perfect love. God is that. And that he is that towards us. He loves you. He loves you. Believe it. Know it. Live like it. He loves you. Who do you love the most in life? Who loves you the most in life? As great as that love is, is, it is nothing compared to the love God has for you. He loves you. But we must go through life. We, we face these difficulties, circumstances. Sometimes we wonder, God, where are you? Why am I going through this? What have I done wrong? All the thoughts come. The devil comes. He's lying to us. Our flesh is right there to rise up and try to reason this or that. The enemy, he, he wants to point out and say, look what you did. Or look what's happening now. God couldn't possibly love you. And he comes with his fear and his tactics. And he wants to shake your faith. He wants you to, to distrust God. He wants you to hurt those around you. He wants you to hide away. He wants you to hide your faith. But no, God loves you. And despite all of that, the love of God in you, towards you, through you, will overcome every lie of the enemy, every, every uprising of the flesh within you, every fear can be cast away. Because his perfect love casts out fear. I want to tell you a little bit of a story about something my family just recently went through. We, uh, some of you know already, those of you who are connected with me on Facebook, that our, our dog of five, our five-year-old lab, we had to have him put to sleep recently. And it was a very difficult thing. He's, those of you who have pets, you know how they become a part of the family. But I want to, I wanna, there's some things about um, this whole thing that happened this week that the Lord has really, he's shown me things about myself and the fear that I deal with in life. Through my dog, many times I've, uh, some of you have heard me talk about it, the Lord has shown me so much spiritual truths through this animal. Um, he was so much more of a blessing than I realized. Because of that, I would see myself and him when I'd get frustrated with him, the Lord would say, yeah, that's kind of how you are, many times. Um, but this, this dog, we, a friend of ours back in 2018 came to us and asked us if we'd be interested in a puppy. And his mom had bought this dog. He was uh, 10 weeks old at the time. And she was single, full-time worker. She just realized this was too much for her. She couldn't, she just couldn't, couldn't keep him. She asked if, 
we'd be interested. Uh, she didn't want anything for him. She just wanted a good home for him. So we said, yeah, let's, let's go over to the house and meet him. So we, we go, um, I think it was like a Thursday night. We go, and this little puppy was in the corner. And you know how puppies are. They're usually full of excitement and joy and want to play. This little dog just sat there, stone, like wouldn't move, didn't make a sound. And we thought, okay, this is kind of strange. Um, before we knew it, <laughs> the puppy was in our hands, and she was packing up everything and saying, here you go. And we're like, okay, um, I don't know. We, we said we'd come see him, but <laughs> we left with a dog. And um, that, as we drove home, my wife Kim was sitting in the passenger seat holding him, and he did not move. He did not make a sound, and she's like, Ty, did we make a mistake here? Is there something wrong with this dog? What is going on? And we got him home, and we sat down in the living room on the floor, us and our kids, and kind of a circle, and he's there in the middle, and we're going to decide on a name. And it was, it was amazing. It was like a switch flipped in him, and he came alive. It was like he realized, I'm in a, a warm home, with people who want to play with me, people who want, who are, I'm not just going to be locked up in a cage all day long. And he just started to bound about and play and just what you would expect from a puppy. And it was, um, it was incredible to see the change. But I saw in him this frightened little puppy. Whatever happened to him before we got him, I, I couldn't tell you. Something, something was set in him. That fear was, was set in him. But in that moment, for that moment, it was like a picture to me of salvation. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Psalm 118.5-6, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When, you are, when we are first born again, we are brought into a new home, a warm place, full of love, God's love. Life comes flooding in. We're no longer living the old life where we're just getting by and we're overwhelmed with, with fears and stress and anxiety and we're caught up in bondages and we have no ability to overcome them when we're miserable or, or we think we're happy, but that happiness lasts for a short period and then we're looking for the next thing to make us happy. But when we come into the family of God, when we're born again, life is poured into us. There is, there is a death, the death of the old self but at the cross, but then there is resurrection life that springs up in us. Our lives are changed the joy of the Lord is there. We have peace. We have comfort. We have rest. That's not to say we're not going to go through hard times. It's not to say that we won't feel fear again at some point. But now we have an answer. Now there is power that exists within us. The power of God to overcome. Not to just get by, but to overcome. To live a victorious life. 
I want you to understand that, that fear, and I'm sure you probably have lived this and, and experienced this in, in some way in your life. Fear, fear will grip you. It will paralyze you. The Lord wants us to move freely in him and by him. He wants us to wait upon him and be led by his spirit and move freely and easily with him. But fear works against that. Fear comes in and it paralyzes us. It, it causes us to stop moving. Not, not where we comfortably rest and wait upon the Lord, where we choose to say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to be driven by my emotions. I'm just going to sit. I'm going to wait upon you. I'm going to seek you. It's not that. That's a good thing. But when fear comes in, it's kind of the fight or flight thing we talk about, right? Either... We hunker down and we resist and we get fearful and we don't want to move or we are driven to make a quick decision. Not, not led of the Lord, not with God's mind on the matter, but out of, driven out of emotion, out of fear. There's really only one fear that the believer should ever have in their life. It's a holy, reverent fear of God. It's the kind of fear that I, as a son, have for my father. I'm not afraid he's going to beat me. I'm not afraid he's going to hurt me. But he's my father and I honor him and I respect him. Even to this day, I'm a 45-year-old man. I still have a healthy fear of my father. I want to honor him. I want to please him. Not, not as like some kind of earn his favor type of thing, but because he's my father and I'm his son. And I love him. And I want to give him that honor. That's, that's the fear we should have for the Lord. A holy, reverent fear. Yes, we also, with that in mind, with, with my father as a child, I knew that if I got out of line, I was probably going to get a whooping. I was probably going to get spanked, right? I know nobody likes to talk about that, but there was going to be discipline. There's going to be consequences. So that was a part of it too. But it was, it was much more because he's my father and I respect him and I love him and I want to do what he wants. I want to please him, earning nothing, but still wanting to please him. That is the only fear that a Christian should have, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you will have that fear, then every other fear will be driven from you. If you will honor and respect the Lord, if you will love him, if you will know that he loves you, and let that love compel you in the rest of your life, whether it's in how you are with him or how you are with your brothers and your sisters, how you are with the world, that love from him towards you, through you, to others, it's going to drive away every other fear. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There you go. There's only one fear to have. That's the fear of the Lord. Any other fear will hinder your faith at best and ultimately destroy your faith if left unchecked. If you're going to let fear come in and, and take rule in your life and begin to dominate you, it will destroy you. It could physically destroy you, but it most certainly will spiritually destroy you. Your faith will be shipwrecked if you let fear dominate Fear is an indication of a lack of love in your life. Think about it. In 1 John it said, 
He who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, that could be an issue with how you love others, or it could be an issue with whether you really believe God loves you. Many of us have, have grown up in, uh, many people have grown up in bad situations where they didn't have a loving relationship with their parents. And so they've got this twisted view of what a father should be or what a mother should be. And so then they get born again and they've got this relationship with God and they've got all this that they have to work through. And God wants to say, this is what a loving father is. I am a loving father to you. But because of everything that we've had built up within us, and this happens in many different things, whether it's our understanding of love or grace or mercy or any attribute of God, how we were raised and what we've experienced in life will oftentimes affect what we believe God feels towards us. But we don't live by what we feel. We don't live by our experiences. Certainly we have experiences, but we don't live by those things. Those things ought not dictate to us our faith. God has something so much better, so much more perfect for us. And each one of us, no matter where we come from, whatever, whatever station of life, whatever terrible things we've been through, some people, they've hardly experienced anything bad and life's just been great. Well, that person has a hard time having compassion for those who have. Okay, we all have things we've gone through. We all come from different points of view, all different walks of life. And God loves us all the same and has, has the same desire for all of us. Now, individually, he might have a, a, a certain will for that person to do that and that person to do that. But ultimately, his desire is that we would all know him, that we would love him, that we would know he loves us, that we would walk with him have an intimate relationship with him. Take it, again, all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve. What did God do? He walked with them in the garden. He loved them. There was no fear. I guarantee you there was no fear before the fall. It was perfect. But then the fall comes. Sin enters the world. Everything is corrupted. Not just man, but all of the earth. The devil and his ways, causing Eve to question God. Fear comes from that. When we question God, you can't help but be fearful. Does God really love me? Did God really say that? Are those promises really true? I read these things about, about God in the Bible, but does he really mean that? Maybe that's for them, but certainly not for me. It couldn't be for me. I'm, I'm so terrible. I've done such terrible things. He couldn't mean it. No. God loves you. Every promise is for you. And so, because we've got this fear, whatever the fear may be, it's, in, it's indicative of, of something's off. Something's not right. This love, it's not been made, made perfect in me yet. I've not been made perfect in love. And I mean, let's be honest, from today until the day we die or we're raptured, we're being perfected. There's always going to be something that the Lord is working on. He's, make, he's moving us towards perfection. But when you are overwhelmed with fear, gripped with fear, it's okay if you feel fear. It's not a sin to be afraid in a moment. What are you going to do with it? 
you going to live in it and wallow in it? Or are you going to go to God with it? You're going to go to him and let him love on you and love through you. There's a lack of trust oftentimes with fear. I don't know if I can do this, Lord. I know you're telling me to do it, but I don't think I can do it. Well, do you trust the Lord or not? He wants you to take a step of faith and believe him. Jesus said about uh, this, the, the fig tree that withered, he said, if you have faith and do not doubt, then you can do this. Don't doubt. He's given you the faith. Now don't doubt. He, if he says, I love you, don't doubt it. If you don't feel it, so what? You don't have to feel it. He said it. It's true. We don't have to feel everything all the time. Certainly, you will feel the love of God at times, hopefully more often than not. But, you know, there are going to be times in your life when you just aren't feeling it. But you know what? You serve God anyways. You believe him anyways. You trust him anyways. Praise him anyways. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So, <clears throat> I was reading about lions and tigers and bears, oh my, no. <laughs> I was reading about lions and tigers and their roar. It's, it's funny to me how often when I'm getting ready to teach or preach something, I'll find myself reading about the strangest things because my, my mind just goes there and the Lord's showing me some kind of analogy or something. Um, so here I am reading specifically about the roar of a lion and a tiger. Um, and it's interesting, tigers, now I, I know the scripture says roaring lion, but I, I think we can make the parallel here. The roar of a tiger, before they, they pounce on their prey, they're so the, so the human ear can, can hear frequencies as low as, I think it was like 20 hertz or something. When a tiger roars, there's a part of that roar that is lower. It's an ultra-low frequency. And you're probably wondering, where in the world are we going with this? But <clears throat> bear with me. So when that happens, there's a reason for that. The roar is more than just the sound we hear, that the prey hears. But that, at that ultra-low frequency, there's a sound wave that hits you. And you feel it. You can't hear it, but you feel it. And what will actually happen is when they let out that roar, the prey will freeze because they feel that. And when they're frozen, bam, they're done. Now, how many of you, when you felt fear, you didn't just have a thought, but you felt it. You felt it in the very core of you. It shook you. It caused you to freeze. God, I don't know what to do. God, I, 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 this is happening and I don't know how to get out of it. God, I don't, I don't know what, what's the answer. How am I going to get through this? I don't know what to do. And you start to freak out. And then maybe, maybe you start to run after that and you start, you're, you're running in chaos to the left and to the right and you're trying to make something happen. And I got I to deal with this right now. I got to fix this right now. What am I going to do? And the Lord, he just wants you to stop and turn your mind towards him. See, that's the trap. You're frozen, and you're like, i gotta, I got to come up with an answer. And the devil gets you running every which way, doing everything but the thing you need to do. That's the trap. He's got you. 
Now you're depending on yourself. You're depending on man's wisdom. You never even thought to, to go to God and wait on him and ask him for the answer. I'm guilty of this too many times in my life. From the smallest thing to the greatest thing, God wants you to trust him. Stop leaning on your own understanding. He wants us to stay sober and to stay vigilant. To, to stay sober. I mean, we know what soberness is, right? I mean, you've been around somebody who's been drunk or high. Maybe you've been that person. You know the difference between sober and not. It's clear-minded, calm, and collected in spirit. Temperate, dispassionate, meaning you're not influenced by strong emotion. You're circumspect, careful to consider the circumstances and the consequences. Not quick to move. Not all bottled up and living in your fear, but also not quick to jump. Waiting on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That waiting is more than, okay, I'm just going to sit here and wait. and In your good time, God, I'll just wait. I'm not doing, no. You are very actively doing something. You're turning your mind towards the Lord. You're seeking him. You're reading the word. You're praying. You're worshiping. You're asking God, Lord, there's this thing here that I don't know what to do, but you can give me the right answer. You can direct my paths. Waiting upon the Lord. I think I've said it here before. That word waiting, when you look at the Hebrew word, it's, a, it's indicating a twisting together, a binding together. Picture rope that's been twisted together. You're binding yourself to the Lord. How? By reading the word, by praying, the things I already mentioned, by worshiping him. You're binding yourself to God so that when he moves, then you will move. Not just in the right time, but in the right way. And until he moves, you won't move. You're not going to let this roaring lion, lion the, 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 the devil, who wants to appear as a roaring lion, you're not going to let this drive you. Are we, are we going to be... Spirit-led or are we going to be flesh-driven? Are we going to be led of the Lord in his will, in his time, in his way, or are we going to be driven by fear? Are we going to be driven to do things because circumstances dictate that I have to do this now? <clears throat> you know, I want, to, I want to go back to that passage in, in 1 Peter 5. Look closely at it. It says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He ain't no lion. In our flesh, we're powerless against him. Okay, he, he, but you are not just any old person. You are a child of God with the spirit of God living in you. You have all power, all authority within you. Maybe we haven't learned how to walk in it perfectly yet. Maybe we're still working some things out. We're learning. We're under, learning to understand. The Lord is teaching us things. But everything you need dwells within you, in Christ. It's all there. So this, this devil, when he comes like a roaring lion, and we're frightened, and we're scared, and we don't know what to do, we have the lion of the tribe of Judah dwelling within us who will roar back, and he will handle every, every issue. All we have to do is trust him and move with him. Let him have his way. 
So we need to be sober. Be sober-minded. Be clear-minded. You've not been left alone. It's not for you to work it out on your own. you got the Spirit of the living God living in you. Be sober-minded. He gives us clear thought. He gives us perfect direction. Psalm, um, sorry, I, uh, Isaiah 26.3, one of my favorite scriptures. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. He lives in you. Stay your mind on him. That means keep your mind on him. Be intentional. Keep your mind directed towards him. Have the mind of Christ. I just finished a a Bible study of, of Philippians at our church. Four chapters. Four chapters. It's mentioned 11 times to either have the mind of Christ, to have one mind, have the same mind. It's about the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ in you, you will be sober minded. You don't have to fear. He says, be vigilant, which, is to mean, which means to watch, give strict attention to. If you're going to stay your mind on Christ, you will be vigilant. You are turning your mind, your thoughts, everything towards the Lord. You don't have to worry about working out every detail of life. You don't have to worry about knowing how am I going to get through this thing or that thing. When this fear comes, I don't know. you don't have to worry about that. Turn your mind towards the Lord. It's simple. I didn't say it's easy. It's simple. Turn your mind towards Christ. To the one who has saved you. He's not just saved you to leave you here. He wants to work in you. He wants to change you. He wants to sanctify you and use you. You're not alone. The best way to remain peaceful and watchful is to have a mind stayed on Christ. Intimacy with him. You want to know how to get through this life as an overcomer? Intimacy with Christ. You want to know how to deal with um, the, the person that comes your way that, I don't know, do they have mental illness or is there some kind of demonic thing going on here? I don't know, Lord. You want to know how to deal with that? Intimacy with Christ. You want to know how to deal with the troubles of life when you need healing, when you need provision, when you need wisdom, intimacy with Christ. See, much of the church, they want to get it all complicated and convoluted, and you got to do this, and you got to learn that, and you, you know, you got to go to seminary if you want to be used in ministry in any way, and you got to learn all these things and learn these things that we've laid out for you, and do this and do that. Just know the Lord. Just know Christ. Yes, we are supposed to study to show ourselves approved. But that is knowing Christ. That's the point. Know him. Don't study this to know words. Don't read your Bible to just memorize things. Know him. I will tell you that some of the most knowledgeable people that are full of, they've got so much memorized and they've got all this stuff, they're some of the most fearful people, some of the most angry people, some of the most unpleasant people to be around. Know Christ. I'm not belittling reading the Bible. I read the Bible every day. Read your Bible. But do it with the heart and mind to know the man. Not to know about him. Know him. I can sit and I can... Somebody, Kim could write down, my wife could write down everything about her life and I could sit and read it and I could just, like, okay, I know all about, I know all about my wife. Or I could live life with her. I could walk with her. 
I can talk with her. Do you believe you can talk with God? Do you believe he hears your prayers? Do you believe that you can hear from him? Sometimes it's going to be when you're reading the Bible. Sometimes it's going to be when you're just quietly in prayer. Sometimes it's going to be, I hope it's today. (laughs) Sometimes it's going to be through others. It's going to be through fellowship. It's going to be when you're taking a walk through the woods and the Lord shows you some aspect of himself. You want to know how to drive away fear, how to deal with fear? Know the Lord. Know Christ. I thought of this, this quote as I was putting this together. I'm sure you've, some of you may have heard it. It's from Franklin Delano Roosevelt in his 1933 inaugural speech. This is in the depths of the Great Depression. He said, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Now, I don't think we even need to fear fear itself. All we need, again, is to fear the holy God, to have a reverential, holy fear of our God, our Father in heaven. But so much more of what he said here, describing fear, it's nameless, it's unreasoning, unjustified terror. If you're a child of God, it may be justified to the world, but it is not justified to us. It may be justified in logical thinking, thinking and reasoning, but it's not to the child of God. Because again, we have the God of the universe living within us. Every answer is in him. But he describes how this, this unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. You know, scripture says that the gates of hell shall not prevail, right? Do, tuck, do, do, um, do gates move? Who advances? We advance. The gates of hell, gates don't move. They're stationary. We're advancing. We're advancing in the Lord. Certainly the devil moves against us. He attacks us. I get all that. But if, he's, if, if, if the promise is that the gates of hell cannot prevail, the best they can do is stand there and withstand the beating. That's the best. But us, children of God, full of the Holy Spirit, we're to be advancing always, moving forward. We've been given the full armor of God. You've been given this great shield of faith. You take a shield, you hold it out in front of you. It covers you, it blocks you. Why? Not so you can just stand there and take it. So that you can advance. So you can move forward. So that you can grow in the Lord. So that your faith can be increased. So that as we walk through this life, we're, we're tearing down strongholds and we're tearing down walls, not in our own strength, but in the power of God, so that his kingdom can increase. The Lord, he's not saved you just so you can sit here on your rooftop and wait for the rapture. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And if we're going to live in fear and be dominated by fear, we will not set foot outside those doors. But God has a plan for us to set foot outside those doors and to advance, advance his kingdom, to win souls for Christ. 
Again, not in our power, not in our knowledge and our ability, all in him. But if you're just going to sit home, if you're just going to keep your mouth shut, because fear is ruling you, is dominating you, the devil wins that battle. So, back to my dog, Tucker. This dog was so fearful. It was comical at times, sad more often than not to watch him. We would try to, try to coax him, try to get him to get comfortable with, with things. We had some friends who had a, a small little Ibashino. It's picture a husky, but small, like a miniature version. And our dog, who at one point was 90 pounds, this big old tank, is afraid of this little dog. And this dog just wants to play, and, he, and Tucker is like running around trying to hide, hide behind us and hide in a corner and get away. And, I mean, there are so many humorous stories I could tell you about him. But one in particular, this, this, I, I took him on a walk. This was a few years ago. We have a subdivision across the street from us perfect place to go for walks. Um, so I, I take him on this walk and picture the, the subdivision kind of starting here and it kind of goes around and then comes back, comes around and then back. So I get him up towards that back of the subdivision where we have to make the turn. And as we're making the turn, we start to hear another dog barking. And he hears it and he's starting to kind of get scared. And within seconds, I spot the dog. It was, it was spring. This dog was in its house, secured, barking through the front door, the screen door. Well, Tucker couldn't see that. And as this dog barked, because of where we were, it echoed everywhere. So he'd start to go, and he felt like he was coming from there, and then he'd go this way, and he felt like he was coming from there. And he's like halting back and forth, and he's not going anywhere. He's basically within a, a four-foot piece of land going back and forth, doesn't know what to do, Till finally he just gives up and he lays down on his back, and he doesn't, he's like, I don't know what to do, okay? And I'm trying to get this dog, come on, let's go. Like, I know where the dog is. I know he's safe. I see what he can't. Now, he has to trust me. Do you know that, that there's going to be so much in your life that is going to produce fear? And our Heavenly Father sees it. He knows exactly what's happening. He knows exactly what lies ahead. He knows exactly which direction to go into. I knew that if he would get up and follow me, I could lead him along our way and that that barking would decrease as we got further and further away. But he didn't know that. He, know that. he couldn't see that. He had to trust me. Psalm 23 is one of our uh, probably favorite psalms to, to read. Um, every time you go to a funeral, you probably hear it. Um, it's, it's such a, a psalm of encouragement. So if you'll turn there, I want to read through this. Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, li he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did somebody tell you ever that if you got saved, life would be easy? I hope not. If you had the idea that giving your life to Christ would mean ease and comfort, I hope you never had that thought. In fact, a lot of times, for those who really want the Lord and are pressing into the Lord, things get harder. The devil's not going to just sit. I don't, I don't recall the devil ever saying, well, I guess I lost that one. I guess I'll just move on to somebody else. I mean, he tempted Christ. He tempted Jesus. If he tempted Jesus, he's going to tempt us. But the beautiful thing is, no matter how hard it is, no matter how fearful it may be, we have one who's leading us, who loves us. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why could somebody say such a thing? Because it says, God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know that, that, that shepherd with the sheep, this picture, that, that rod, that staff, it wasn't just a walking stick. There was a purpose for it. Discipline was involved sometimes, but also guidance. The, sh- the shepherd would use that, that rod to, to lift up the sheep and to check them as he was making sure that they were free of, of uh, pests and different things like that, making sure that they were healthy. The feeling of that rod and the staff, it's so much more than discipline. It's knowing the presence of God is there with me, guiding me. As fearful as, as Tucker was, he loved to be at my side touching me, by Kim's side. He wanted to know somebody was there, somebody he knew and loved was there guiding him. That gave him security. <laughs> this dog, we could be all gone from the house on a Sunday morning, and somebody, people would walk into our house all the time, they need something or whatever, and they wouldn't even know that he's there because he's scared, he's hiding. But when we were there at the house, and somebody came, oh, all of a sudden he was Mr. Big Man Dog, he was barking and, you know, he was, he was going to let everybody know that he's there because we were there. That's the presence of God in your life. Without him, you have nothing but fear in yourself. But when the fear comes and you know that your God is with you, you have nothing to fear. You don't have to be ruled by it. You're filled with power, with strength. It's not something you can work up. It's something that he does in you and you can take comfort in. Trust in the Lord. Again, intimacy. The more intimate you are with the Lord, the more you'll know him the more your confidence in him will grow. Fear just doesn't have to rule you. So, we ended up having to put Tucker down because he, he bit somebody in our family. And uh, it was an unexpected freak thing. He got scared. It was fear again. I'm not going to go into all the details of what happened, but um, this person did something that scared him. And he reacted, and he jumped and bit. 
and then he ran and hid. And it was, we were all just shocked by it, and there were multiple people there that saw it, and they all agreed it was, it was just a freak thing that he got scared and reacted. And, and so for three weeks, we kept a close eye on him, and he was his normal self until last week he, he, I intimidated him, and he took a snap at me. But we, we have a house full of children. My wife babysits. We've got families from church. We've got our own granddaughter, my nephew. And we decided the best thing to do was to, to have him put to sleep. I couldn't bear the thought of giving him to somebody and then something happening with them. We just decided this was the best thing to do. But it, he, had, he had gotten to the point where fear was so dominant in his life that he was willing to hurt even those who he loved the most. Now, can a dog love? I don't know. It's certainly loyal, right? But you get the, you get the connection here. If fear is going to dominate and rule your life, it's going to cause you to do all kinds of things that God doesn't want, including hurting your brethren, your brothers, your sisters, those you know and love the most. You won't think about it. You'll just do it. You'll be driven by the flesh. You'll be driven by fear to just snap, to just react, to protect yourself. Galatians 5, 14 and 15 says, For all the love is fulfilled, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Now, I want to I connect this to the passage in John 4 that we started off with. Remember, in verse 16, it says, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If there's a lack of love in your life, God's love, whether it's that you don't believe he loves you or that love has never just grown in you towards others, it's going to cause you to lack love for your brothers and your sisters. And it's going to cause you to hurt them. That lack of love will cause you to hurt them. God's love is a sacrificial love. God's love is humble. God's love is selfless. God's love cares more about the other than about themselves. When we lack God's love, when it hasn't been perfected in us, we see it pop up in different ways. And this is one of them where we begin to strike out against those that we should love the most. Whether it's our church family or it's our biological family, friends. Have you ever hurt somebody that you love dearly and almost as soon as you did it, you regretted it? I've been there too many times. Driven by what I felt in the moment. Driven by fear.
Fear causes disbelief and will discourage, again, our brothers and our sisters. I don't want to spend too much time on this. I know it's getting late here, but turn to Exodus chapter 3, please. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. So God made a promise to Israel. Verses 7 and 8 of Exodus 3 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So God has made a promise to Israel. I'm going to lead you out. I'm going to take you to a good place. Because I love you. I have good things planned for you. Now turn to Numbers 13. Numbers 13, we're going to be kind of skipping through here. I want, to, I want to get the point across here without having to read everything here. But Numbers 13, verse 1, and it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Go down to verse 17. It says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up, to this, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains, and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage. Okay. Go down to verse 25. They've gone into the land, and they've returned here. It says, And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So God was right. It is like he said it would be. <laughs> but here's the problem. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So, nothing but discouragement. Yep, God was right, but ugh, it's scary. We can't, I don't know if we can do this. I mean, God said these are the people that would be in the land. And all they did was confirm it. But they're discouraged. Verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. 
And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in, their, in our own sight, and so we were in their sights. Continuing to chapter 14, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Do you see what fear caused? Not only have they, these 10, there's 12 spies, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, are saying, yes, let's do it. The other 10 are saying, no, we can't. Yeah, God was right. It's, it's a good land. These people live in it. But, man, there's giants. It's just too much for us. We can't do it. And they discourage the hearts of the rest, the whole rest of the congregation. Everybody was affected by this. Do you see the power of fear? Ten men brought down the entire congregation because they believed in God, they just couldn't believe him. If he said, I'll take you in and I'll give you the land and I'll send the hornet before you to drive them out, I don't know, Lord. Seems, seems kind of impossible. All they needed to do was take a step of faith. Literally. Later we see them cross the Jordan. What caused the Jordan to split open? They stepped their feet into the water. A literal step of faith. What did God say? What did Jesus say? If you have faith and don't doubt. The faith is God's part. He's giving you faith. Now don't doubt it. Each one's given a measure of faith. Don't doubt it. You might be scared. You might feel some fear. That's okay. Believe them anyways. This isn't about what you feel. Do you believe them or not? So much so that not only did they not enter the promised land, but they said, you know what? Let's pick a new leader. Let's go back to our old life. Let's go back to our bondage. I mean, we read that and we think, are you stupid? And then I'm instantly convicted. Am I stupid? We do this. Fear drives us. All that, all that they'd been through, all that the Lord had provided, miracle after miracle up to that point. Yeah, that was good, but I don't know if you can do this one, God. Our faith ought to be growing and increasing as you go through things in life and you're dealing with the thing today that's got you shaken. Look back at what the Lord has done, his goodness, what he's brought you through. Let it encourage you. Think of the testimonies of your life. Think of the testimonies in other people's life. That's why it's so important. We, we call um, it body ministry in our, uh, at our church, but it's, it's the testimony time. <laughs> it's 
It's, but it's more than testimonies. It's anything the Lord brings, any word of encouragement or whatever. But, man, when we share what the Lord's done in our lives, don't underestimate the power of that. I might need to hear it. Don't think, well, it's not that big a deal and I'm afraid. To... No, grab that mic and share it. There's probably somebody who needs to hear it. And the hardships you're going through, when we get up and we say, I'm just weak in this area and I need your prayer, you know what? Somebody else is probably going through that same thing. And when you can get up and you can say, this is what I was going through and this is how weak I was and this is what God did and how he came through, that person is encouraged. Don't discourage the congregation. You know, come and confess your fear. But don't discourage people. Don't say it can't be done. When people are, are gaining freedom in the Lord, when they're being delivered, when they're being healed, don't discourage that. Encourage them. And if anything, confess your weakness. I see what the Lord's done in your life. I want the same. Pray for me. But don't, don't elect a leader and go back to your old life. Don't go back to the bondage. If you, looking at chapter 14, if you go down to verse 7, Caleb, again, man, I love Caleb. That's why I named one of my boys Caleb. He says, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That thing that you are so fearful of, it is your bread. You're not just going to defeat it in the power of Christ. You're going to consume it, and you're going to come out victorious if you will just believe him, if you will just look to him. The lion roared and the people froze. They saw the giants in the land and believed that their eye, they believed what their eyes saw and the fear that they felt inside instead of believing God's word for them, instead of believing God's promise. These eyes, they'll fool you every time. The senses that, you, that we live with in this life, they'll fool you every time. We don't live by how we feel. The fury that you feel, it feels so real. But we don't live by what we feel. We live by the truth that's been revealed to us, Christ. As a grandparent, believe me, I understand fear in ways I never did before. I used to get annoyed with our parents. Like, what is the big deal? Would you calm down? And now here I am like, oh, liberty. <laughs> Let me construct a bubble to put around her. I get it. I get it. I don't stand up here as though I don't feel fear. I feel it more than ever but I'm just not going to let it grip me. 
And it's not going to be some grand thing I do to prevent it. It's going to be me turning my eyes towards Jesus. When COVID-19 started, it didn't frighten me. I mean, I was like, okay, let's see what this is. Let's, I wanted to try to follow the rules, but it was like, ah, pfft. This stuff is, it's a government thing. I, however you feel about that, that's how I felt about it. But uh, I'll tell you what did scare me. When the BLM riots started coming and you started reading it in the news, I thought this is something that could come to my front door. I didn't know, but I felt some fear. I didn't like the idea of having to protect my family in such a way. I'd do it, but it was not comfortable. <laughs> I felt some fear. There is so much to be feared today. So much. And it's reasonable. When we sit and we look at what's going on in the world, it's logical. The flesh says, you should be scared. You have good reason to be scared. Whether it's the government or it's our neighbor, or it's some sickness that can be controlled or not. Whatever it is, you, you, your family, your children, your grandchildren, your job, you young ones, you got your whole life ahead of you. Maybe you're trying to figure out what you want to do, college, career. That's a scary thing. That can be a daunting thing. You want to know one thing that has helped put my mind at ease? God does not dwell in time. He does not, he is not controlled by time. Time is a created thing just like everything else. Whereas I can look behind me and see, and I can see what's right in front of me, I can't see the future. I don't know how this is going to pan out. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I have ideas of what I'd like. But that alone can strike fear into people's hearts. The unknown. I got I to gotta get a good career. I got to do this. I got to get all these things lined up. Do you know that God already knows? Whereas we can only see what's right behind us and, and, and look right in front of us and look behind us, God sees it all start to finish. Imagine looking at a map and I need to start here and I need to get here. And I can look at the whole thing. I gotta go through this town, then I gotta go this way, I gotta make this turn, and I gotta go over here. God sees it all. He sees our life that way. He already knows. Let that comfort you. Anything that is to come, it will only come because He's allowed it to come. Any trouble you're gonna go through, it didn't catch God by surprise. Look at the story of Job. God pointed Job out to the devil. Have you considered Job, my servant? Because God knew the end of the story already. Job couldn't see that. Job had to go through all the trial. We feel the pain, I know. We have to navigate life. But God already knows. Let that comfort you. Whatever's to come, he already knew. Okay, you know, I was talking to the youth the other night, Friday night, about this. And somebody had mentioned, well, you know, I, I want to go to college, I think, for this. But what if I change my mind and I do that? 
And I don't want to do that. And I could just see the, the anxiety she had over this. And I just said, don't, you know, you're going to want to make the best decision you can. Be prayerful. But even if you do start down this path and then you end up switching and going over here, God already knew that. And here's the thing. We like to say, well, what a waste of time that was. Well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe God allowed you and used you, used these circumstances because there's a purpose that he's going to use over here. I'm going to tell you right now, when I, I intended, I, I worked at Walgreens for 11 years. I intended to work my way up to the ranks and I was going to be a corporate whatever and that whole thing fell apart. I hit, I hit the ground hard. And then I, I worked in pest control for 15 years and I was... I had no intention of working my way up. I just, you know what, I just want a job. I just want to take care of my family. Through all of that, those 26 years, <laughs> through most of that, I didn't know the Lord was going to call me into ministry. I just worked diligently. And I had no idea that the lessons I learned in management, way back then, the Lord would use today to help lead a church to be able to be a support to my pastor. Now, you, you, know, you could say, well, those are very practical things, and that doesn't sound very spiritual. But the Lord was preparing me. I didn't know the turns that were going to come, and there were some fearful moments. But God had a plan. He's still working it out. Chris, you can come up whenever here. Can, we, can you play that first song that we did? I can't remember the name of it. It just, I remember when we were singing it, it just, I felt like it fit so well. <laughs> yes, yep. Listen, experiencing fear, that's not the problem. You're going to experience fear. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to live in it? Are you going to stay there? Or are you going to go to the Lord? Are you going to let him deal with it? To be gripped by it. To be controlled by it. This is the problem. Be gripped by the Lord. Let him possess you. Let him hold you. And when the fear comes, you will be safe and comfortable and at rest and have peace with the knowledge that knowing that my God has me. He holds me in the palm of his hand. And he loves me. And no matter what comes, I'm not lost even if my life were to be given for whatever the thing is, I am in eternity with my Father. I am eternity with my Lord. Fear will cause you to try to control everything. Fear will cause you to not believe. It's going to shake your faith. Fear will cause you to hide away. You just want to hide from everything, everyone. You lack boldness and courage because of fear. Fear is going to cause you to hurt others. You want to protect yourself. Fear will cause you to mistrust God. Too many people think God is just a, a faraway, distant, unloving, cold master. But he is near. He is near to his people. They just don't realize it. Or maybe you mistrust your brothers and your sisters. 
Fear is going to cause you to, to shrink away, to back away, and to stay away from, from the people that love you the most, the people you should love the most. Everyone's against me. Nobody loves me. Right? Have you felt that? Fear will cause you to forsake Christ. It says in Matthew 26, 56 that all the disciples forsook him and fled. You let fear grip you, it's going to pull you away from the Lord. And ultimately, fear will lead to death, spiritual death. You know, I told you about Tucker, my dog. When it really comes down to it, fear took him from us. And it broke my heart. I'm not ashamed to tell you, it broke my heart. When I took him in and put him down, I cried. But it was fear that took him from us. Don't let fear take you from God. As broken hearted as I was over the loss of my dog, of all things, imagine how broken hearted God is when fear takes his children away from him. Believe him. Trust him. He loves you. Anything you're going through, he's not forgotten you. I, uh, these altars are always open. I would encourage you if you're going through fear of some sort, any sort, again, any fear other than the fear of God, a holy, reverent fear of God, it's designed to undermine your faith, to take you out. Come to these altars. Just come and admit your fear to the Lord. He wants to heal you. I'll pray with you. Don't be ruled by fear. Like I said earlier, we have so much that lies ahead of us that we're going to have reason to fear. And we're going to need, we're going to need to believe God like we never have before. We're going to need to have that intimate walk with him like we've never had before. You want to stay strong in the Lord? Then get with him. Draw near to him. Seek him. Let him comfort you. Let him be your peace. He's a, there's a peace that passes all understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Rest in Christ. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Fear wants to put all kinds of weight on you, wants to drive you down, wants to undermine and undercut your faith, wants, wants to get it so instilled in you that you'll come and you'll bring that to the congregation and you'll, you'll discourage everybody around you. That's what the devil wants. He's walking about as a roaring lion, but he is no lion. The one who lives in you he is the lion, and he possesses all power. Amen. Oh, Lord, we just, I just pray, Lord, that we would surrender ourselves to you in such a way, Lord, where we just trust you. God, like a small child that comes to its mother and father with arms up, saying, I, I, I just want you to hold me. I trust you. I love you. You possess all the power. Everything that's needed for me to make it through life, to overcome, 
God, may we come with that heart, with arms lifted, surrendering ourselves to you, asking you to take us, hold us. God, we trust you. Yes, sir.